veteran, would you please stand? We'd like to acknowledge you and pray for you this morning. Lord, thanks for these men and women, for the fact that they have been willing to, to sacrifice a portion of their lives to serve all the rest of us. And we ask your blessing on them today. We thank you for their service, and we pray that you will continue to be at work in their lives, that they will live with the sense of, of honor that we all bestow on them today. And we are so thankful for their willingness to serve on our behalf. And we give them to you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Thank you. Well, I checked my calendar and Thanksgiving is a week and a half away. Uh, that's pretty amazing to me. It's coming quickly. And so over the next couple of weeks, we are going to prepare our hearts for that Thanksgiving celebration and we're going to spend these two weeks thinking about that rapid-fire set of admonitions in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Now, these verses come right near the end of the book as the Apostle Paul is, is wrapping up. And, and this little letter was written to encourage the church in Thessalonica, which was thriving despite persecution. And Paul was asking them to put their current trials and tribulations in the context of our ultimate hope as believers. And you know what our ultimate hope as believers is? It's that one day Jesus is coming again, and after that, we are all going to be together with him in heaven. And we need to put everything in this life in the context of that reality Jesus is coming again, and we will live with him forever. So as he often did, the apostle ended his letters with pithy pieces of advice, often just a few words long, but, but full of meaning. And there can be no better example of this than 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. It reads like this, Rejoice always, pray continually, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So Paul tells us about these three ways that we can enhance our spiritual lives and sums it up by saying, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, there are many Christians who spend quite a bit of time fretting about understanding God's will. They, they, they think that it's some kind of, of very specific thing, set of instructions that God has, has just for them. And, and really that doesn't reflect a very mature relationship with the Lord. Because I know as a parent, I am proudest of my kids when they see a need and meet that need. When they live in a godly way, and they live with integrity in life, to be honest, I don't want them asking me about every little detail of their lives. I, I, I don't care what house they live in, or what car they drive, or even what occupation they have. As long as 
They are committed to loving God and loving people. And you know, that's the way the Lord is with us. Sometimes we think that he wants to tell us exactly what to do. And so we sit around wringing our hands, fretting, because we don't know what that thing is. And the end result is we're spiritually paralyzed. So, so actually, do you know what the Lord wants you to do? He wants you to, to, to find ways to serve him and then do it. It's, it's Nike time. Now, now, don't get me wrong. In relation to my kids, I do not mind giving advice every once in a while. <laughs> but when they call and say, we're thinking about buying such and such a car, what do you think? I always tell them, I don't care. If you agree with your spouse and you can afford it, I, I don't care what you drive. But if it's a matter of whether or not you're living for Jesus... If it's a matter of living in integrity and relationship with other people, I am more than happy to give my advice, even when it's not solicited. <laughs> because I want to give advice, give counsel, give instruction, if you will, express my will for them on the things that are really important. The Lord wants you taking initiative to serve him. And then, if he has a problem, he'll let you know. <clears throat> you know, my, my favorite biblical example of this is from the life of King David. The story is found in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And the first few verses start out like this. It says, After the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. Pretty good advice from that prophet, isn't it? The Lord said, You want to serve the Lord? You want to do the best you can? You want to give him this incredible gift? Go for it! Well, if you know how that story unfolds, the very next verse says, that night the prophet went to bed and he had a dream. And the Lord came to him in that dream and essentially said, you tell David, hold on, buckaroo, you are not the one to build the temple for my name. I'm reserving that privilege for your son. So, the first word from the Lord through the prophet was, whatever you have in mind to do, do it, because you're doing it for the Lord. But in this instance, the Lord decided differently. So I hope you're following the process here. Most often, when your heart is set on serving God and you go ahead and do it, God is blessed by that. But every once in a while, he's going to throw up a stop sign. He's going to say, not you or not now. And when that happens, one of the hardest things I know for Christians is to be obedient to the voice of God. Because when we get something in our head, 
When we get our, when we get our mind set on something and our heart set on it, we want to do it. And every once in a while, God says, not you or, or not now. And this is one of those points where I think David is the most obedient in all of his life because he loved to build things. And he wanted, to, he wanted to be the one to create this magnificent temple to celebrate the goodness of God. And the Lord said, not you, not now. And indeed, David waited. So when you're thinking about the will of the Lord, don't get all focused waiting for God to give you some specific instruction. It's probably a better idea for you to find ways to serve God and then go ahead and do it unless someone in spiritual authority or, or that uneasy feeling inside of you keeps saying, not you, not now. And if that happens, then be obedient. So I ask Christians all the time to worry less about the specifics of God's will in their lives and focus more on the general will of God for every one of us. And I do know this. God's will for you is to rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. And so we're going to think today about what it means to rejoice always, and next Sunday we'll consider the other two admonitions. <clears throat> so, are you ready for Bible trivia time? Try to contain your excitement. <laughs> Simple one. What is the shortest verse in the Bible? See, you know. John eleven thirty five. Unless you're Lee Corso and you're a football fan, you say, not so fast, my friends. <laughs> because the shortest verse in the English Bible is John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. But the shortest verse in the Greek Bible, the language in which it was written, is actually 1 Thessalonians 5.16, which we translate, rejoice always. So there's a trivia fact for you that is completely useless. <laughs> but it tells us in this very concise form about how important it is for us to rejoice always. And you know, our, our English language sometimes helps us to understand spiritual reality. So the verb form of the noun joy is rejoice. And I love that because it adds a prefix. That prefix re means to do something again, correct? So etymologically, the word rejoice means to do joy over and over again. Now please remember, joy is, a, joy is a choice. It is not a feeling. Happiness is a feeling that comes and goes. Joy is a choice that I make. That's why the Apostle Paul can speak about rejoicing always. It's something that we get to do over and over. And choosing to rejoice 
is a consistent piece of advice that the Apostle Paul gives throughout the Scriptures and perhaps most significantly in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Listen to what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So those verses tell us why rejoice, how to rejoice, and the result of rejoicing. But, but first, let me make a quick observation. Because after the Apostle Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always, I'll say it again, rejoice. The very next thing he says is, let your gentleness be evident to all. In other words, when you rejoice, you show people your gentle side. You know, there are plenty of voices in our world trying to convince us to be offended all the time and to express our frustration in public forums. One of the amazing things about social media for me is if, you, if you're not offended yourself, you can always find somebody else who's offended and like it. <laughs> and suddenly that's where we find ourselves living and we express that frustration. So when you live in frustration, you know what people see? They see you. When you live in joy, people see Jesus. It's amazing. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that when you rejoice, you turn into sort of a doormat for other people to walk all over. There's this huge difference between, between being strong and being unapproachable. Some people are unapproachable because they're just surly all the time. But when you are gentle, you are showing a kind of, of strength that's, that's amazing. God wants you to be strong and gentle. That sounds like a toilet paper commercial. So the next time you unroll that thing, <laughs> remember what Jesus wants from you. Because that's how God wants us to live this life of faith. And he says, when you rejoice, you see gentle. So let's continue with Paul's words and, and, and ask ourselves these questions. The first one is, is why rejoice? Why, why do we rejoice? And the Apostle Paul puts it very succinctly. He says, you rejoice because the Lord is near. Now, when you see that the Lord is near, when you see that phrase in Scripture, you can make two applications regarding that reality. Uh, the first one is in reference to the Lord's return, which is actually what 1 Thessalonians talks a lot about. And it means at any moment. When we say the Lord's return is near, we're not making a prediction about a day or an hour. We are reminding ourselves that Jesus could come back at any time. Theologically, the word is imminent, that, that it could happen at any moment. 
And, and so we need to be ready because when it happens, it's going to change our destiny forever. And so when you say the Lord is near, it's a reminder that at any moment, Jesus can, can return to this earth and life and history as we know it will be over in a flash. Be ready. But there's also an, another inference in that phrase, the Lord is near, and that has to do with his presence. It's a reminder that the Lord is always available. Wherever you are, whenever you are, no matter what place, no matter what time, the Lord is with you. If you need a reason to rejoice, that's it. God is with you through all of life's circumstances. When life is good, the Lord is with you. When life gets tough, there's still good news. The Lord is with you. Famously, David wrote in Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I don't need to fear evil. Why? Because the Lord is with me. In every circumstance, we can live with confidence that the Lord is at work in our lives. And if that's true, we always have reason to rejoice. Now, let's look at, at how we rejoice. Actually, Paul puts it in terms of do's and, and don'ts. So let's start with the don't part. Because the very next thing he says is, do not be anxious. Actually, he put it in even more stark terms. He said, do not be anxious about anything. Wow. That's hard. Now, when he said that, he was referring to anxiety that overwhelms and consumes something that you put your focus on and you can't ever get past. Paul was well aware of the fact that there are general worries and cares that are a part of life for all of us. As a matter of fact, in this same letter, he'd already given instruction to Timothy about how important it is to have genuine concern about other people. He wrote, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. So when the Lord says, do not be anxious about anything, he's not asking you to go into some kind of Zen state where you fall away into nothingness and nothing matters. What he's really asking is for you to choose to rejoice because it's a protection for you. It keeps you from being overwhelmed by the cares and concerns of this life. It's so important for us to get that reality because it's easy for us to be overwhelmed by the stuff that goes on. So he says first, do not be anxious about anything. But I can tell you, you will not make very good spiritual progress focused on what you should not do. The spiritual progress comes when you focus on what you should do. 
And Paul says, you're supposed to tell the Lord what's on your mind and then live thankfully, trusting him with the results. Here's Paul's exact words. He said, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So if you spend your life saying, don't be anxious, don't be anxious, don't be anxious, you're going to fail. However, if you choose to live with rejoicing, it contextualizes everything that you worry about. Because rejoicing takes the focus off of you and puts it on the Lord. And then while you're focused on him, Paul says, go ahead and tell him about those things that you tend to worry about, the things that you're concerned about. You know, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got about prayer, I had a gentleman tell me one time, you know, if your mind wanders when you're praying, just go ahead and pray about what your mind wanders to. Because often, when we have concerns or worries in our hearts and our minds, we just kind of go there naturally. And, and if it's important to you, it's important to God because he loves you. And he said, cast all your cares on me. And so if that is something that's a part of who you are and you find yourself frustrated in your prayer life because you can't stay on topic just pray about whatever your mind goes to because usually either consciously or subconsciously it's something that's important to you pray and rejoice and whatever is troubling you is no longer just your problem you've asked the Lord to carry it with you in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus described his relationship with us by saying he wanted to share a yoke with us. Uh, you, you get that picture up there, right? Yoke is that big, heavy, wooden object that, that binds a partner's two oxen together for pulling heavy loads. And sometimes you feel like you are pulling a heavy load through life. Jesus says, let me do that with you. He wants to be yoked with you, carrying life's load. And when you tell him your concerns, you are inviting him to do just that. So you can rejoice. You can rejoice because the Lord is near. And, and when you rejoice, you're allowing the Lord to share life's burdens with you. And when you get that, it enables you to choose joy, and that's just where the Lord wants you to be. So let's think lastly about, about the result of rejoicing. I can give it to you in one word. Peace. Paul wrote, and the peace of God which transcends understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when you choose joy, it creates peace in your life. Now, if you've hung around me for very long, you know I can take a verse and make a whole sermon out of it. So in that one little phrase, 
the Apostle Paul gives us four reasons why joy creates peace. And the first one is a reminder that peace comes from God. It says the peace of, of God, that it is a, a gift that comes from Him. And so when we understand that God gives it to us, that he's inviting us to share life's load. It's such, a, such an amazing, amazing gift. And then it says that peace transcends understanding. In other words, it has to be experienced to be understood. I, I would love to be able to adequately explain the peace of God to you today. I know there are a lot of you here today who get it. You understand what I'm talking about. And the reason you understand it is because you intuitively, spiritually have experienced what it means to have the peace of God in the middle of life storms. And there are others of you who are thinking, huh? Because you're never going to understand it until you experience it. And that's why the apostle said it, it, it transcends our understanding. It goes deeper than that. And if you're one of those people who's having a difficulty connecting, rejoicing with peace, I want to tell you, you're never going to get peace by seeking after it in itself. You're only going to get peace by choosing to rejoice in the Lord in the middle of your circumstances. Because peace is a byproduct. And it comes along when we have this right relationship with the Lord because God wants us to trust Him, to rejoice, to, to choose to know that He's at work in our lives. And when he does, he gives us that amazing peace. And, and Paul goes on to say that that guards your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Peace protects. Uh, the Lord knows that fear is destructive because it focuses on our attention on, my, on what might be rather than on what is. And if you're a believer in Christ and have his presence, he is helping you carry life's load. And you're living right here, right now, in his presence. Satan wants you living in fear and dread about what might happen. When you choose joy, it counteracts fear and gives you that peace that guards, that protects your life. One more observation. And that's that it helps you maintain your relationship with the Lord. Um, that's all taken from one little phrase, in Christ Jesus. He says, the peace that transcends understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you're very familiar with the Bible, you know the Apostle Paul loves to use that phrase. And for him, it characterizes our relationship 
that we are enveloped by his grace, that he is always available to us. And everything we do happens in the context of our relationship with him. I know you think I've been really repetitive this morning. That's been intentional. I hope maybe the tenth time through you'll get it. If you want peace in your life, you have to choose to rejoice always, regardless of the circumstance. Now, please understand what joy is. It's not this giddy, woohoo kind of feeling. Rejoicing is, is choosing trust. It's asking the Lord to care for the burdens, to carry them with you. And when you do that, it guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. What an amazing gift God has given us. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says two words, rejoice always. If you will learn to do that, your life will be blessed beyond measure. And that's my prayer for you. Father, thanks for opportunity to think about this very important admonition. It's God's will for us to learn to live in joy even in the middle of life difficulties. So help us, Father, to be the people of God, to live out your will for us. Help us in every circumstance of life to be able to rejoice. Thank you. Go with us now as we put your word into practice in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome back to the Galleon Grace Point podcast. Um, we are a little over a week um, leading up to Thanksgiving. Uh, we just did a sermon on uh, rejoicing for the Lord always. Um, this one uh, was on my mind quite a bit because um, I've talked to you know some of my friends here at church and everything and uh, brought it up at Bible study, but my grandmother is actually in the hospital and... Uh, She's been in and out here and there over the past couple years, but uh, just kind of recently found out that she is at the uh, at the end of her life. We're in the uh, making her comfortable stage, um, but I was thinking about this a lot because, you know, I was. It's obviously sad when you you lose someone in your life, but there couldn't have been a better story for my grandmother. For example, she had eight children. Um, countless grandchildren, I, I can't even think, <laughs> and countless great-grandchildren, but survived every one of them. You know, there's there's plenty of circumstances where, uh, you know, a mother has to bury a child, a grandmother, you know, so on and so forth. But uh, 
firm believer, um, excellent woman, and I I was thinking as this sermon was going on, I was just, you know, praising the Lord for, A, giving me my grandma my entire life. She loved me, you know, from the day she met me, and that uh, he's going to welcome wel- welcome her with open arms in heaven to be back with my grandma again, and or back with my grandpa again, and uh, got a chance to go see her Saturday, um, read some of the Gospels with her. That was nice. Um, but honestly, you know, it's, it is sad, but there couldn't be a better ending to a story than uh, walking back into heaven, seeing her, uh, seeing her husband, seeing her parents again, and uh, thankful for every day I had with her. And I'll continue to praise the Lord for what he gave to me and what he's given to her by welcoming, welcoming I cannot say welcoming tonight, welcoming her into heaven. So uh, that that's what really stuck out to me as I was thinking about it on a personal level with her and... Uh, you know, I was I was telling my father yesterday when we were kind of talking about things uh, with her. I said, uh, you know, with her, there's there's no question on where where she's going at all. She was a she was a great woman. He goes, yeah, because if she doesn't get in, I <laughs> I'm certainly not. So um, I, I think the other thing that stuck out the most to me because I don't I don't know if it's just me, but I'm sure other people have this too. When he uh, it, and it's in the sermon notes here about. If you find your mind wandering when you pray, just pray about what your mind wanders to because there's plenty of times, you know, whether it be in a service or whether I'm doing my own personal prayers, that your mind does start to wander. And I guess I'd never really thought of it that way. Like, there's a reason that's on your mind, so pray about it. And uh, with that, I'm going to pass it on to my guests. I've got Matt and, Dre- uh, Matt and Jen Triano. I nailed it, right? Yeah. <laughs> got it. <laughs> um, I didn't know if you guys had anything you wanted to add to that uh, before we uh, get to know you a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I agree 100% with what you're saying. Um, it's a very, um, Pastor Paul has this wonderful way of hitting the nail on the head, as we call it, um, every Sunday. Um, and, and we have, you know, a much, uh, light, lighter hearted story than, than what you do. Um, but we were talking about, um, with everything that, that goes on in the world today and how, you know, sometimes we can be anxious about those things. And, um, it, it brought us back to, um, giving it to him and just being happy, um, that we're a part of his kingdom and and get to be a part of that. Um, so yeah, that, that's what we brought home from it. Um, this Sunday, um, just, just hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's the only way, only way that I can put it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think too, that, uh, we talked quite a bit about the fact that we, we both tend to wander while we're praying. Um, and that, that was a a good reassurance for both of us to hear that we're not alone in that yeah. because we tend to ramble in, in prayer. Um, I've often said, I, I, I think I told Kim lovely this a while back is that if, if anybody heard the things that I'm telling God, they would definitely think that I'm crazy because it's so discombobulated at times. I'm just, thankful that he knows my heart and um and that it's okay to be like that absolutely yeah yeah I thought it was uh I thought that was a really good point like I said that that you know you hear those stories all the time it's like you know I went to church and it was like the preacher was talking right to me and that one stuck out with me I think the the only other thing I was going to add I forgot to say that on the story with my grandma is obviously she was sad you know knowing that you know treatment wasn't working and that she's at the end of a rope but uh she did was talking to my aunt and uh she's like you know, I'm excited. I, I get to see Jesus. So it, it's comforting to me that she's, she's ready to get there. She's obviously going to miss all of us here, but, uh, 
knowing that uh, that she's going to get uh, home to Jesus and home to my grandpa, her husband, uh, it, it was it was an excellent feeling. Like I said, it's you know it's kind of hard to re- to say you're rejoicing in that situation, but uh, honestly, I am. You know, um, we Sundays in my family are always spent around my grandparents' pond, and I was telling my son yesterday you know, cause he's having a hard time with it. And he, uh, I said, you know, we, when we're out at the pond, you know, even when she's gone, I'm like, we've got this wide open space. We know she's watching over us. And, uh, the biggest like thing with my grandma and my grandpa was it's swimming pond, fishing pond. You're not allowed to throw rocks in there. And so I go, <laughs> I'm telling him that. And he's like, yeah. So like, if I got a rock in my hand, I'll know that I'll hear her in the back of my head saying, don't throw a rock in the pond. So, <laughs> but it, it was funny, but, uh, Back to Matt and Jen uh, on this uh, Getting to Know You series here. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Um, well, I married my wife in uh, August of 2020. Okay. And um, took me a little while to find this place. Um, my mother and father-in-law were coming here. Um, I was raised in the church. Um, I went to a community Christian center um, in Upper Sandusky. Um, I moved out of Upper in 2012. Uh, moved to Marion, Ohio. Um and found a little church um, in Marion. Um, it kind of scared me away from from church for a while. Um, was it just uh, was it like the the way the sermon was delivered, or you just no? You so uh, I um, first off, I was baptized there, um, but I was I was I've told this story at Bible study before. Um, we got on the subject of baptisms, and um, the guy that was leading the Bible study. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. The guy that was leading the uh, the baptism or the the Bible study, um, he said, um, "Are any of you not baptized?" And I said, "I'm not." And uh, he says, "Well, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you're going?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm going to heaven." And he said, "No, you you're going to hell because you aren't baptized." So we went to the church right then and there, and, and I got baptized. Okay. And I wasn't just like that. Yeah, just like that. Wow. It was like me and like four other people were there. You know, oh, my incredible. mom and my dad came, um, but I didn't know. Um, what it signified, what it meant. Um, and I, I came here and I, I, I went to church here for like a year and a half ish. Um, and we had talked to pastor Paul about wanting to get baptized and he was doing that. And, and, you know, I got baptized and I feel like it was, um, it meant more to me because I understood the processes behind it. For sure. Um, you know, Growing up, when I say I grew up in the church, I didn't really grow up in the church per se. You know, I'd go for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Okay, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and that type of thing. Um, so as an adult now, I'm becoming more active um, on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's, um, it's the best best choice I ever made. So. Yeah, I've noticed that too. You're, you're pretty vocal at Bible study, and I think you raise a lot of good questions when you're there. Like, uh, you've asked questions uh, that... I hadn't even thought of it that way. So I, I commend you for, you know, voicing, you know, your questions and your, your thoughts on the way revelations being broken down. It's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. So for me, um, I grew up in the Catholic church with my mom and dad who actually ended up here. My, my mom was, um, part of this actual church when she was a kid and then married my dad who was Catholic, converted to Catholicism. And then, um, they raised me Catholic and growing up, I, I went to church, but th- there was never, um, an emphasis on a relationship with God. And that's the thing that has transformed so much in my life is that coming here, 
um, listening to Pastor Paul, that's really one of his biggest points is that it's all about relationship. Yeah. And so coming here that that changed for me um at the same time that he got baptized I got rebaptized I was baptized as a small child um in the catholic church yeah, without so, really a mm-hmm. um an understanding a, an understanding of what it was or anything um I think it's really interesting too cuz I was thinking about that you know um I I don't know how other churches other than the catholic one go because I that's where I grew up as well like uh you are baptized to be uh, absolved of your original sin, um, but I noticed in other churches, it's as a baby, it's called a dedication, not a baptism. So, kind of a um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, kind of a different uh, aspect than I was used to when I first started coming here and saw that. Right. Well, and, and coming here, it took mom a little while of of talking to me to get me to come because I had I had just. I had moved away from it completely. Um, um, calling myself pretty much agnostic at best okay. for a period of time there. Um, very worldly um, and feeling all of the things that went with that. Um, and I think coming from that, it gives me a... a a very strong faith now, um, having felt the absence of faith and, and, and knowing what that actually feels like. Um, my faith is much, much stronger now than what it ever was just from having, having gone through the things that you go through when you do stray away from God. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's, it's honestly amazing when you think about it, like the, you said it, the absenceness of how, how empty you, you don't think you are, you know, you kind of said worldly, like maybe I, I guess the way I would interpreted that as is like, you're trying to fill your life with other things, oh, you know, possessions or something like that. And it's kind of amazing. Cause I've been reflecting a lot lately. You know, I, I was listening to a story earlier, um, about, uh, operation Christmas child. And they had a, they had a guy on there that got one of those boxes, um, when he was uh, seven years old, I want to say in, uh, I can't remember exactly. I'm going to have to get back to that, where it was. But he got one when he was seven and um, had been through some crazy tragedy, um, genocide there in uh, Rwanda. That's where it was. And um, his uh, he never knew his dad. His mom had died. And then during the genocide, his uh, caretaker was his uncle and his grandmother. And they were, they were killed through the genocide. And about a, uh, a year later, he got this box and, you know, was just talking about... Um, before he got into, you know, him finding the Lord, just, you know, the little things, like he said, they had like this comb that had a pick on the other side of it. And he had that thing for three years. And then that's where he found the Lord with the information they provided in there. Now he's a super big advocate for that. And, um, I'm going to try to include the link to that story in this podcast. Cause I was, I, I it was on K love on my way home from work and I listened to it, but then found the article online and, uh, his story of forgiveness. Um, forgiving the people that murdered his family. Like it was, it was incredible. But, uh, anyways, back to what I was saying, it's just, it, you don't feel absent at the time when you're doing that, but then all of a sudden, like, you're like, what, you know, what, what am I doing? Why, why do I need this thing for? And then once you, you truly do put Jesus in your heart, you realize like, 
what was I wasting my time with all that for? This is all I needed all along. Right. It's such a, a, a relief when you finally realize it. So, yeah, we, we uh, got baptized there um, a little over a year ago now. I think it was in October of last year we got baptized here. Okay. And um, since then, we have gone through our share of normal life's trials um, and really what we keep coming back to is is that this is what keeps us stable together working through everything is God and and our church family and and being able to um, give everything back to God I, I totally agree uh, it's <laughs> I don't know a better way to put it, honestly. Um, you know, I was thinking, just as we were saying about the possessions, you know, we're we're constantly, our minds are occupied by something. You know, we have too much, let's be let's be honest about it. And, uh, you know, to, to find a faith, to find a family here at church and, uh, you know, going to the Bible study, that's been such a, such a great experience. You know, I can read it all day long, but it's, it's really the discussion that, uh, that brings out the best in it, you know, like I said, Matt, when, you know, he asks a lot of questions and brings his point of view to it. And I think it brings a, it brings a new, uh, a new light to it, but, uh, back to, back to that. So, um, you said, again, what year was it that you started like coming here? 2020. Okay. So you, you, you had stopped going to like the Catholic church, you had stopped and, uh, going to the one in Marion. And so then... I stopped going to church completely, um, in 2012. And then I didn't go back to church until, um, middle of 2019. Um, and then I left again and I spent probably six months outside of a church and then I came back in 2020. Yeah. So what, what was like the... What was the factor that made you guys walk through this door and decide this is where we want to go? So I'm going to give you my version first. Okay. <laughs> my wife can give you hers. So um, for the longest time I was getting into this, I was like in this really dark place where I was into like um, what I call paganism okay. or um, Viking Odinism. You know, I, I, I thought it was cool, right? Yeah. So, and I had been so far removed from the church for so long that, you know, I was just looking for something to fill that void where, you know, my wife says we're just, you know, we had already touched on that, the, the worldly place, you know. Um, and there was a lot of things going on in our family um, uh, relationship-wise, and we thought, you know what, let's come here and and give this a try. And, and it was almost instant. Like, I believe that very first time that we came, Pastor yeah. Paul was hitting the nail on the head about what was going on in our life yeah, right same. then and there. Like, yeah. it was like... And, and Pastor Paul said this before. It's like God gives him a message to give to us, and it's it's meant for that that point in your life. Yeah. You know? So that's that's the reason what what made us come back here. And um, I guess I'll let my wife give her version. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So my mom had been saying for a little while they had been coming. I think for a couple of years um, prior to 2020, and um, during that year we went through quite a bit of struggle with, um, my, uh, adult daughters, um, who frankly I'm, I'm still struggling with. That's one of those, uh, 
points that I, I get to frequently give to God. Um, I imagine that's where your mind starts wandering to, where you're praying about them, and then you, you think of something they did that <laughs> angered you. and <laughs> so, so you continue a, to pray for what your mind wanders on. <laughs> it definitely is a, a thing that I come back to quite frequently. So during that um, initial uh, explosion of family drama, mom was like, you really got to come. You really got to come in here and experience this. You're you're not going to understand it by watching it on the internet. You're not going to know what this is like because she would show me clips on on you know the the um, live broadcast, and I'm like, yeah, okay, um, I'll, I'll come if that's what you want me to do. I'll come. And right. honestly, that that first little bit there for me, that that first visit was more of a if you say this is going to work, then I'll come here. Yeah, Fine. Right. Um, Kinda but it, like you weren't, you didn't have your whole heart in it. Oh you were no, just absolutely coming not. Same. I, I, I told this story before with my wife, like she was trying to find us a church and I came in here begrudgingly, like fine, whatever you say, if, we're coming. If it makes you happy, exactly. I will come here and see if this works. Yep. Um, and I, I was, I was very impressed with the message that, was preached that day I was very impressed with the way that it fell on my heart um and yet at the same time I went home and and during that that really really dark time for me because when I when I tell you it was very very difficult it was very difficult um I found myself in this somewhat I call it catatonic because I was just basically just laying on the couch, just absolutely miserable and unhappy with, with what had happened and feeling sorry for myself. And, um, frankly, a little bit angry. Mm -hmm. Um, and at one point I, the way that I tell this story is that I was laying there and I kind of challenged God. And I said, if, if you're there and you're the loving God that you're supposed to be, then help me. I need help right now. And I say he came through, you know, I cracked the door and he came through like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> um, because it was instant. It was without question that he scooped me up and from that time I'm not going to say that I, I I don't struggle with something right. but I always know that I'm being held from that point forward. Yeah. So that that was like my 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 pivotal moment where I met with God was laying on my couch and feeling sorry for myself and um honestly it was was with a a angry challenge that I sent to him which I I, I in in time since then, I kind of, I feel bad for, for having put it that way. But at the same time, I'm ever so thankful that he came through like the Kool-Aid man. Yeah. And he's an understanding God. So, you know, <laughs> he's not holding any grudges against you. And, 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 you know, and, and, and Jesus lived it and he, he knows what that, that human condition is and, and how we might feel sometimes. Well, and to just to ask a quick question on that. So, in case someone else is going through that and is listening to this right now, like, 
once you know as you said the kool-aid man burst through the wall like uh, what was your next step was it coming here was it reading scripture like what was what was the next step from there that really elevated you it was diving headlong in from that point and, and yes it was it was coming back again and again and again and and then it was it was bible study it was everything that i can and and still to this day every piece of literature um audiobooks, audiobooks everything that i can get my hands on because yeah. i i'm and i i just said this to him a couple of days ago i i, I told matt that the, the more i learn the more scripture that i become familiar with the hungrier i am yeah. to learn more it it doesn't make me feel like okay well now i learned enough i i just i want to learn more because there's just layers on top of layers on top of layers to learn inside of that yeah it's not like a book you read once and you got the story no know? not at all <laughs> not at all yeah absolutely matt you wanted to add something yeah um uh, something i it's uh just to touch on kind of her her aspect and, and my own um this church has been um so welcoming and family-like throughout all of our struggles and problems that we've brought to the church. Yeah. And I feel like, um, you know, more people need to bring their problems to the church instead of trying to deal with them at home or, um, you know, and as, as a man, I, I, I'm, I'm on this journey right now where I'm learning to be, um, um, emotionally, uh, available mm -hmm. to, um, my feelings and, and what's going on. And this place hasn't judged me. Um, and, and even through some of my sins that I've brought to the church and said, this is what I did. This is what I'm struggling with. Um, they've been nothing but, um, encouraging and, and giving me the ability to get through those things. Um, and I've watched, um, pastor Paul and, and, and Kim, who we call, um, her church sister. Yeah. Um, bring us through so much. I mean, I, it's, it's amazing when you look back, um, you know, two years ago to where we are now. Um, and I can only accredit that to, to God and, and the, the family that we've built here. Yeah. Um, you know, men struggle, you know, uh, Tim Bell, um, he called me one night in the garage and I'm getting teared up just thinking about it. Um, I was really having a rough time. <clears throat> and I don't know what struck him to call me, but he called me up and I was working in the garage and we just talked. Yeah. And it snapped me back to, Hey, you got family here. Yep. You know? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's life changing. Yeah. This whole place, this, this, uh, the, this love of God. Um, my new life is just amazing. So, oh yeah. Absolutely. Watching my wife transform too. Cause I've seen big changes in her. And, um, you know, they, they say, oh, the man's supposed to lead, but my wife, she, <laughs> she got to drag me by the ear every once in a while. So. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you call it last week's episode. I had Tim on, and, uh, you know, I thought he, he brought up a good point, and it kind of reflects <clears throat> on what you just said right there. You know, there's, a, there's an image for Christian men that yeah. Christian men are soft, and, uh, yeah. you know, as we're sitting here right now, I, uh, I don't think that could be more untrue. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's uh, – and Tim's a, Tim's a great guy uh, altogether. It's funny you said that. You know, he actually, uh, last night I was just sitting watching TV, uh, getting the kids to bed, and he called last night because uh, one of my wife's students that has cancer. We're kind of working on something, and uh, 
he had an idea popped in his head called me and uh had a conversation about that had a conversation about some other things talked to him today when i was at work and uh yeah just a he's an excellent guy an excellent uh uh, an excellent guy you can just give a ring at any time you know oh, yeah. if you're if you, you need some advice you're struggling a little bit or if you just you know want to shoot the breeze and yeah. uh he's a good friend <laughs> he's a good person he's a he's, he's a great man but, absolutely uh, yeah I, uh, I think that really that really hits home with what he yeah. said right there and i really feel what you said too about like you know your wife dragging you by the ear sometimes yeah. uh you know she was the one that started us here on our our faith journey and uh i'm forever grateful for that yes. um i I don't know what my uh, what my situation would have been had she not been the one that pulled me in here that day. I, you know, I I, I really I don't I don't know the road that I would have been on, continued down where I would have went, and uh, forever forever indebted and grateful for that. Well, I can say we're in that same boat, honestly, because if it wasn't for her mother and her saying, "Yeah, we're we're gonna come and we're gonna do this." I don't know where I would have been either, exactly. to be honest with you. So exactly, and uh, you know, everybody goes through those dark times. You know, yeah. I, I've said on here, you know, I uh, I struggled there for a little while, really, uh, for a number of years. You know, I I felt like I I drank too much, yeah. and uh, I, you know, I you know, I really dropped that, and uh, I you know did that, invested myself in the Lord, and honestly, it's been incredible. Um, the differences in my life, um, my relationship with my wife, my kids, with my relationships with my friends, the people here at church, like, you know, and, uh, I tell everyone, you know, it's not that I have any, uh, any judgment or I feel a certain way, you know, about other people that were doing what I was doing, but, uh, it's just not the life I choose to live anymore. And it's, uh, <laughs> I'm so happy that it's not, uh, this is the, the greatest gift. I look forward to Wednesday night Bible study. I look forward to church on Sunday. And uh, back in the day, Sunday mornings were rough. You know, I was waking up with a headache most of the time. So, uh, yeah, I uh, I guess uh, my next question would be, uh, tell us something uh, we don't really know about you. Um, we're doing this Getting to Know series. So uh, what's something you guys are, are into outside of the church? You know, any hobbies or anything like that? Um, so... Something that might surprise you guys. Um, I'm what I would consider to be a prepper. Okay. Um, so maybe survivalist, survivalist okay. a better word for it. Okay. Um, I'm into like uh, collecting guns and ammo yeah. and uh, food preparation and survival gear. And yeah. So like maybe, a lot maybe of... I'm crazy, but <laughs> it's fun. You oh, know? yeah. So, like a lot of canning and oh, yeah. like that um, type of stuff. We, we just That's did. Me. Uh, she does the canning part, but I helped her. Um, we just did um, 50 pounds of rice. We did probably, what, 25 pounds of powdered potatoes. Um, we did uh, probably another 50 pounds of beans, probably. Um, and then we, her mom, every year, um, shoot, probably 25 to 30 quarts of green beans. Yeah. Um, we did uh, pasta sauce, um, pizza sauce. Um, she had... Uh, well, those ap- not apricot trees. Those were apple trees. Apples and peach trees, and we would can can those as well. So that's really cool. <laughs> my wife would really like. I I know my wife is going to be listening to this on her uh, drive. So right now, as she's driving on the highway tomorrow morning, listening to this, she's going to be like, "I need to have a conversation with these people because yeah. that is my wife's mindset. She's yeah. a big gardener, big canner, yes. freezer, all that. She's she's super into into yes. that homesteading." Uh, lifestyle so same here okay so something that not everybody knows about me 
I gotta think about this a little bit. <laughs> um, well, I, I mean, I guess there's the fact that I tend to drag home animals. Oh, okay. I'm, I, I can't leave something that needs help. So the, the most recent addition to the family was found on a highway in the middle of Kentucky. We're talking um, about a dog? Yeah. Okay. It, it, just so, as she, you were uh, saying that real quick, though, I was listening to a song on the way in today. I'm obsessed with this song. That's uh, There's this new album out by Cody Johnson, and he's got this song on there called Dirt Cheap, and there's a line in there where he's talking about his wife, and he's like, that woman never could turn away a stray. <laughs> so on the way home, throw on Dirt Cheap by Cody Johnson. You guys, I think it'll hit home for you. It, it's probably pretty appropriate. Um, and I warned him about that when, when we you know, we kind of first got together. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very low maintenance. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a makeup girl. There's no Sephora. There's, there's no Louis Vuittons, but I will, no Starbucks, none of that. I will drag home every stray animal that I can find. So sure. Absolutely. (laughs) She could bring home like a blue whale and I'm just going to have to be like, well, I guess I'll start building an aquarium (laughs) because I mean, it's a daily thing. So yeah. So, um, I, I, uh, we have the three dogs in the house now, so our house is just, you know, generally leveled. They're all large dogs, so, um, but they're part of the family. So yeah, that's not something I guess everybody knows about me is, is that, um, I mean, if, if y'all are wanting to find homes for your animals, I've, (laughs) I've made myself available now. (laughs) Oh, she put the ad out there, man. (laughs) Matt, you're going to have a lot more coming in. So I guess, uh. I, that leads me to my next question. I was going to ask, you know, you're you're clearly an animal lover, but also, you know, prepping and everything like that. Are you a hunter and uh, fisherman? Yes. Yeah, yeah, big. Yeah. So I, uh, I've, I've, I grew up. My, so my, my dad was a hunter and a fisher. Yeah. Um, and we went literally thousands of trips, fishing trips, um, thousands of hunting trips. We would like do things like load up the minivan and go to Kansas for the weekend and go okay. pheasant hunting. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so that's what I grew up doing with my dad. Um, and it carried over. Um, I named my son Hunter. Okay. There we go. Um, and now, you know, he's been deer hunting with me. Um, he's been on many fishing trips with me and my, my dad. Um, they just got back from New York. They went salmon fishing okay. uh, two weekends ago. Uh, two weekends ago, they just got back. That my son was catching fish that were taller than him. Oh know? wow! So and he's nine. That's um, awesome. He had to love that. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. That's, so that's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I was just uh, as I was thinking about that, as you were saying that, I should say, um, I was thinking about myself when I hunt. Like I haven't had an opportunity to go out much this year. Um, I don't know if you know this. I'm a mailman, and yeah. uh, obviously, right now is my busiest time of year. Um, I'm basically basically playing Santa Claus right now. So. Um, haven't had a ton of chances to get out there, but I told my wife one time, I'm like, man, when I'm out there by myself, like in God's creation, it is the most peaceful thing. Like normally as you know, I'm parked about, I don't know, three or 400 yards away from the woods, what, you know, making my walk back. And that's when I do my prayers there and on the way back. And there's something about being out in the woods like that and having your prayer time. That is, that is incredible. And I'm sure you feel the same way. (laughs) So I agree with you 100%. Um, one of the the best memories that I ever have hunting so far. And mind you, we didn't even kill an animal this day. Okay. Um, it was, it was a, just a beautiful evening. Me and my wife, actually, I've never sat in a tree stand with anybody ever. Okay. It's always just been me. Okay. Um, well, we got up in a tree stand and we just sat there and watched the sun go down and it was the most peaceful night. Um, we would whisper back and forth to each other. 
um that that those moments out in the wilderness are you know there's a song um it's called where i find god um by Larry Fleet. Larry Fleet. Yeah. Um, and, and I truly believe that, there, you know, you can find God in a lot of different places. And I feel like for, for us hunters and fishers, we yes. find it out, out in the wilderness. You oh, know? yeah. So Absolutely. 100%. A clear sky like that. Uh, yeah. there's, there's, that is, you're right, where I find God. I mean, it, 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 even before we, we uh, came to church and, and started our our journey with God, I guess, our, our beginnings there. Um, we were uh, appreciating his creations. Our, our honeymoon was a um, trip across the United States. It, it was completely impromptu. impromptu. Um, that sounds awesome, though. Like we got, we were supposed to go to the Smoky Mountains. It was kind of a, like, we were going to wing it anyway because... I'm like, yeah, we'll find a hotel wherever. Yeah. Um, so we got as far as Columbus, and he looked over at me, and he said, I've been to the Smoky Mountains. I don't want to go. Okay. And I said, okay, well, where do you want to go? He said, I want to go out west. I said, well, then turn right. Um, and he did. And we went as far as, on that first leg, we went as far as Rushmore. Okay. And then we went down, and we camped in Yellowstone. Oh, nice. And then we went into the Tetons and Cheyenne, Wyoming, and down through Colorado and down through Utah and all the way down to Tombstone, Arizona, back through Texas and back home. So that sounds like an awesome honeymoon. I'm not going to lie. That's my kind of thing. Like, it was you know, fabulous. I would rather do that than like the, you know, like the, the cliche, the Bahamas or something like that. So I'd like to point out it was 7,000 miles in seven days. Okay. And we're going to redo this trip again, but we're going to do it in two weeks instead of one week this time. Have a little bit more so, time to... Because it was like we would get out and we would look at the Grand Canyon for 10 minutes and then we're like, all right, let's go. And we get back in the car. <laughs> right, yeah. You know? A lot of driving, uh, not <laughs> a lot of time to focus. And It, it was completely absolutely unscripted though like everywhere that we went there was never a plan where we were going we would get to where we're going and we're like right, where are we going to go next one of yeah us would sleep on the highway and the other one would drive <laughs> and and you know we were sleeping in the car a few nights and looking for places where we could find a hotel so that we could actually stop and get like a a, a bed and sleep and, and, <laughs> sleep shower. and shower yeah and but it was it was absolutely fabulous. Looking back on it now with a, a, a new appreciation um, for God in that, because at that point in time, it, it was, like I said, I was, I was kind of in this agnostic state of my life. Um, it was, it, I, I was kind of at a breaking point, but not really yet. Um, it's more uh, like just, a crossroads. Right. Really I, I was kind of coming to that crossroads, but I just wasn't quite there yet. Yeah. And then, but looking back on it now, I think back of, of all the things that we saw of, of these amazing creations that were all God's masterpiece. And so that was a, a really cool thing there. So yeah, the, the outdoors have been a big part of both of our lives, I think. I'm, I'm getting that. Yeah. Isn't it cool though? Like when you do stuff like that, like you said, you go to Rushmore and all those sightseeing things like, um, for instance, we went to Florida back uh earlier in the year in like february and we did the disney thing and did not enjoy it you know we did it years ago with my son had a good time we went on this time and it was just miserable and like i noticed that on that week vacation the things we did that were just kind of like the checklist thing you have to do as parents and spend a ton of money on 
were miserable. The stuff that was impromptu and, you know, was like sightseeing free type things were the best times. Like when we just went to the beach and spent the day at the beach, we went to the citrus farm and just like, it was just, it was so much cooler doing it that way instead of just doing the things that you think you're supposed to do. You know, like I said, you got to go to this place for your honeymoon or something like that. It's just really cool when you, when you venture out and just try something different. We didn't even tell anybody that we were going to do that. They, they, uh, thought that we were going to be in Tennessee and we got the message of like, where are you? And I'm like, um, the middle of (laughs) Iowa mile marker 18.3. And they're like, what are you doing in Iowa? I was like, um, headed towards Rushmore. Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) That's really, really cool though. Do you know when you guys plan on doing that, uh, doing it again? Money. When 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 the time and money permits for such, um, yep. I mean, taking two weeks off of jobs is a lot harder than taking one week off of jobs. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and really, w- we need the two weeks to do it in. Yeah. Right, yeah, absolutely. So you guys uh, talked about, you know, kids here and there. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, do, they, do they come down to, like, the youth group and stuff like that here? Just do. <laughs> um, so my kids come um, when... Obviously, my kids aren't hers and her kids aren't mine. Um, so my kids come when I get them on the weekends. Um, sometimes it's a fight to get them on the weekends. Um, most of the time I get them throughout the week. Um, but I, I have them involved as much as humanly possible. Right, yeah. Um, and that's that's my biggest goal. I want my kids to know God, yeah. you know, um, because I feel like 100% of my life uh, problems could have been solved as a teenager for sure you know so i want them to have what i didn't have as much you know my mom and dad um they had me in church but it wasn't a priority right um where i focus on that being a priority with my kids absolutely yeah i I feel the exact same way about mine uh i've noticed a big difference i've said that a few times on here but like since coming here since uh you know, investing in the scripture with them. Uh, I mean, specifically more my son, my, my daughter's a toddler, so she doesn't quite understand. She does say amen at the end of prayer. So, (laughs) and she makes sure that she's holding hands around the dinner table. So, uh, it's, it's, it's been, it's been such a blessing with that, but, uh, go ahead, Jen. So, and, and that kind of goes right back into my situation. So the, the time that I was away, is also the time that my children were in their absolute most formative years. Right. Um, and currently they are, um, very worldly living their own lives. Um, they don't have frankly anything to do with me at this point in their life. Um, I, I raised them mostly by myself for those years. Um, their dad was in and out of the picture, kind of showed back up about the time they were like 18 and 16 and was like hey your mom's not cool and now they're they're uh, under the impression that mom's not cool um and really those are my regrets of what I didn't do so it's a a good lesson that we have with with his growing up that like this is of the absolute utmost importance that that we p- take care of this part of their life. Yeah, and that's a hard message to send too, because uh, I, you know I kind of touched on it last week when I was talking about baptism. Seeing some of the kids that are in you know the seventh, eighth, getting ready to go into high school, 
um, their testimonies when they were getting ready to get baptized. Like I, I know how kids are at that age and it's not a popular uh, decision to go into school being a devout Christian. And so the bravery that those kids have, but uh, what I was going to add on to what you were saying about your daughter is, or your daughters is, uh, you know, a, I think eventually they'll come back around, you know, like I said, I was 28, you know, when I ended up coming here and finally found the Lord, sometimes it just takes everybody different times. And specifically in the world we're living in right now, like I can't blame them, you know, too much for being worldly and taking the possessions because that's what, that's what's being forced down their throat, you know, on, on TV, on social media and everything, you know, we're and really even in the public schools. I mean, if, if I'm being honest, they're, they're where they were going to school and I'm not, gonna, I'm not naming names or anything, but where they were going to school, it, it was, it was the group of, I'm not blaming the school itself in the slightest. I'm saying that you're, you're in a group of children that most of their parents are not instilling in them. So then you put them all together and the things that they come home learning from taking away from their friends. If you're not actively teaching them the right way, somebody else is actively teaching them the wrong way. Right. I, I can assure you of that because I, I lived it. Yeah. Um, and to, to come back to that whole point of, you know, that, that, that they'll come around. It's, I've gone through a, a lot with that prayer wise. Um, I've, I've kind of been all over on, on the prayers with that. And it took me, um, it's going, what it's been three years, it's three years now. It's taken me three years to come to the point where I realized it started out with, I needed to give it to God and, and I needed to keep giving it to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was listening to, a, a, an audiobook actually a while back and it was, um, it was about Hannah, I believe, and about her, her desire to conceive. And it, it was, a. Uh, 12 Extraordinary Women by John MacArthur, if that's help for anybody, because it's a fabulous book about women of the Bible. Okay. Um, but it, it was about her wanting to conceive and her going into the, the temple and praying um, and being thought to be drunk because she was praying not out loud, but just with moving her lips. And she said, oh, no, I, I'm, I'm praying. And... Um, and then she she left there. The um, she was told, you know, well, may, may God grant your your prayers. And she left there with a heart that believed that God would grant her prayers, mm-hmm. and that was enough. And I've come to a point where I, I'm I'm praying these prayers, and I continually pray them, but each time I pray them. I believe that God will grant them. I don't know when it'll happen. I just know that it'll happen and yeah. it'll happen in his time the way that he wants it to happen. He has to soften their hearts to come around to him. Um, ultimately God draws us in. Um, it would be pretty uh, bold to think that we are uh, intelligent enough or uh, uh, 
have enough wherewithal to draw ourselves in. God draws us in and we respond. Yeah. Um, so as God draws them in, I know that that will happen. And, and that's taken me like a, a journey, a spiritual journey to get to that point. But I, I'm, I'm really there at this point. Yeah. And I, you know, you can probably almost relate a little bit because I'm guessing, you know, when your mom was coming here, she was probably saying the same, same prayers thing. about you. You know what I mean? Correct. And, and I, I, and she has said that, you know, she's saying, you know, well, you know, it, it took me a while to get you to come into this too. It took me a while to get you to realize this. And, you know, there was that time that her heart was breaking and, and worried and, and pining over my salvation and, um, it, it, you know, obviously now she's doing that with them too, but, um, as a mother, I, she felt it for me. I feel it for them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's all you can do is keep praying. And, uh, I'd, like I said, you, your mom did the same thing. You came around and, uh, I'm sure it'll happen with them as well. But, uh, to continue on, um, you know, I touched on what you're into, you're, you're into prepping, you're into hunting, um, outdoorsy people seems like that's uh being in god's creation is you know kind of your your place to be um before we kind of get into the the closing touches of this is there anything else you guys want to say to the people listening or uh any uh anything going on in your guys's lives you'd like to mention um really i i I feel like I may be crazy and I've, you know, Pastor Paul, he kind of, well, I've talked to him a little bit about this, um, you know, with, with the world, the way that it is, and I'm not going to go into details on everything, but I feel like, um, there's no better time than now to, you know, if you are listening or you've got a family member that's just on the edge of coming here, you know, uh, snatch them by the ear and drag them in here. That might be what it, what it takes, but, um, it'll, it'll change your life. You know, yeah, absolutely, and I, 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 I totally get with what you're saying. With everything going on in the world, I mean, we we had it uh, pretty obvious. I mean, last time I was doing this podcast was uh, leading into election day, and uh, you know, uh, things did not go our way to to say it that way, and that just that kind of shows what we're up against. You know, there's a uh, Satan's out there, uh, and he's he's trying to he's trying to recruit <laughs> essentially, and uh, let's just hope continue. Let, I think you're right, though. I think now is the time for people to find the Lord. And I, I, I have noticed, you know, people, this church has got a very diverse age group, and I've noticed more and more people showing up, you know, from, from you know, you know, 18 to 20, 20 to 25, and so on and so forth. But it, it does seem like we're, we're gaining more people and more people are developing their faith than, uh, than I really expected. Um, a lot of my buddies that I, you know, I talk to now that are uh, kind of changing their lifestyles and uh, getting back into church, whether it be the one they grew up in or one that they found. And uh, I, I think that uh, it's, it's pleasant to see that. So my my last job, um, I was a correctional officer at a prison um, and I, I left that job um, for a multitude of reasons. But the biggest reason was. Um, I had guys that would, um, come up to me. I wore a cross around my neck every day. They, they knew I was a Christian and, and they knew my wife was a Christian. Um, and they would, they'd bring their Bibles up and want to talk to me about God and, and, you know, Christianity and the Bible. And, and, um, to be, to be quite honest with you, a lot of these guys know more about the Bible than I ever probably will because they spend 12 hours, 16 hours a day. That's what they do. Yeah. Um, but I left my job, um, there because, um, 
I was being judged by my coworkers and my peers and my management um, for having these conversations with these guys. Yeah. Um, so right before I left, um, <laughs> he's going to be here um, probably middle of December. He gets out of prison. Um, his name's Deal, um, and he's tattooed from head to toe. Um, <laughs> he uh, he was is one of the most devout Christian people that I've I've met in prison. Um, and I hope that he comes here and I hope that, um, he, he wants to start a mission. Um, and I believe that he will, where he's going to bring, uh, gang members out of prison to, to Jesus. Okay. Um, and me and my wife, um, that's something that, that we eventually want to be more involved with, um, is, is getting back into the prison in a, in a Christian, um, role, um, but that's a that's a whole nother <laughs> hour long topic. Well, well, I'll ask you about that in a second. But it yeah. just I I genuinely curious. So like yeah. when you were doing that, like how did how did that start? Was it just the cross one day and someone mentioned it? Or? So it was a, a long road. Um, it started off so word in prison travels very quickly. They know things before you think they know things. Yeah. Um, they're very they study you. Mm-hmm. Um, so. They'll, they know what you eat on a daily basis, what your, your, your uh, rounds that you do, um, the type of music that you listen to, everything. They know about you. So, and then they communicate within their sex of people, you know. Um, and I would just get small groups, you know, they would slowly come up to my desk and they'd, you know, bring their Bibles and they just want to talk for 45 minutes to an hour. And then it was two hours and three hours. And eventually I had large groups of people. Well, when I would have, you know, uh, um, another CO walk in or whatever, everybody would have to scatter because that's frowned upon. You're not supposed to do that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be looked at as dirty um, in the eyes of the, you know, they say rehabilitation and corrections. Okay. Um, but there wasn't that rehabilitation in my eyes is through Jesus Christ. Right. Um, but they didn't see it that way. Um, so it was a, a huge struggle for me. Um, but that's that's exactly how they, they learn. They just they watch you. Uh, I was listening to Phillips, Craig, and Dean one day, and they're like, "Hey, I know that you, you're a Christian. Where do you go to church?" You know, and then we that, that's how the conversation just started, and it was so natural, um, so many times. Um, so you said you know coworkers were kind of you know looking down on you for that. Was it yeah. more because of mingling with the inmates, or was were they you know uh, making fun of your Christianity as well? I think a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, both. Um, we have some Christians um, in the prison system as far as COs, but they're older and out of the dorm setting now. So they work, you know, in an office building. Mm-hmm. Um, our sect of people are very young and um, of this world. They were, we were long ago, you know. So, um, and, and getting them to have that conversation is like pulling teeth, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I'd like to interject on that a little bit because it, it, it bears saying that I recently left working in the prison as well. I was okay. a, a registered nurse inside of the prison as oh, well. Okay. So I was there, um, and, and able to see the, the, the same things that, that he's saying and, and, and verify that, that that's really exactly how it is. It, it's both. It's um, judgment for having any kind of meaningful 
relationship or conversation, I shouldn't even say relationship, any meaningful uh, conversation that you could have with an inmate is looked up, looked upon as um, very taboo. So you, you, you can't do that. You can't have a conversation that is more than instructing them of what to do. And right. typically expectation is that you do it in a not nice way. Kind of sounds um, like don't treat them as humans, uh, essentially. Exactly, exactly. Um, which is brings me to, you know, that that's a big part of why I left as well, is, is that treating people subhuman is not something that I can continue to be a part of. For sure. Um, but that being said, the the flip side of the the other judgment there is is that there I don't know how else to describe it but but kind of a darkness yeah that um, the there is a number of staff members that um, evil and malice and ill will and all of the things that Satan rejoices in, the mm-hmm. things that Satan loves, all of those things are celebrated amongst much of the staff. I, I, I will not venture to say all because obviously there are those that are not. Yeah, there's always but a good seed, yeah. There, there's a, a large quantity of people that are working in that system in general. I, I don't believe it to be one prison. I believe it to be many that are are in a dark place and that they're not wanting to come out of the dark place yeah and if they can have someone shining a light on them period you know that's that's incredible so was that like you know was that something you guys kind of came to together as like a uh as a calling from god that we've got to move on from this and uh you know advocate to get the lord to some of these inmates that might need i mean you just said it like some of these guys are young and they they've made mistakes you know like you can't just treat them subhuman for, for no reason. you got to give them a chance. And I think that's awesome that that's something you guys are going to work on. As we came out of it, we both said, you know, we, we want to be part of this. We don't want to leave this entirely, but we want to be part of this in a completely different capacity. Yeah. Um, as, as one of the chaplains was leaving one day, uh, I was walking out and I, I, I must've looked pretty stressed out and he looked at me and, and uh, he said, well, you know, what's, what's going on with you? And I said, it just, I, I, I just don't think I can take any more with it. I don't think I can continue to do this. And he said, oh, but you're, you're, you're so good in here. You know, you're, you're a good person and, and you should stay. And I said, how about this? If I just come back in more like your capacity, yeah. I said, I would love to bring the ministry back in. And he said, if that's what God's calling you to do, then that's what you need to do. So we made that decision together to to move away from that um, and change our lives. Um, I went back to home health. He went back to mechanics. Um, you know, for for our our jobs because those are places that we can make a difference and 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 not be frowned upon f- for doing what we are called to do you can share Jesus with people at work and there's not a problem with it at, uh, you know, the, the car dealership or, at, and, and really frankly, even in home health, because most of my home health patients are, are equally, 
uh, Christian, not mm-hmm. all of them, but a, a lot of them. So as, as I'm walking in, a, a lot of times, you know, that, that conversation just happens naturally. Yeah. That, it, it really makes you think of the Bible when I was thinking of you guys in, in the prison system working, you know, um, Jesus was judged pretty heavily on, you know, eating with the sinners and the tax collectors and there's only uh there's only one man that can judge us and uh to you can't uh, you can't throw rocks and uh treat someone like that just because of mistakes they've made in the past that they got caught doing and i i love that that you hit on that because um i've always rooted for the underdogs my whole life and um it, it's wild to me because just the other night me and my wife were doordash and we doordash uh, here and there and we were talking about how society prisoners people that are in prison have more um respect and more um spirit in them you mm-hmm. know uh than, than than what you see in the in the public um and and i believe that there are going to be so many prisoners you know inmates that are going to be in heaven that people like man that guy killed somebody well that guy's now devoted his whole life and and that, I I just think that that's so cool. And he got know? down on his knees and yeah, asked for forgiveness, absolutely. true forgiveness. Yes. You know, now he's those those guys. Um, they have a special spot in my heart, you know, because they've taught me something. Yeah, you know, so that's really really cool. Yeah. That's an interesting story. I'm glad that you guys touched on that because uh, I I obviously I hope that I'm never in that situation yeah, to absolutely. to learn it, but. Uh, you know, you kind of get that feel, you know, watching TV and the movies and stuff on, on how they're treated and everything. And, and just like everything, I'm sure there's plenty of them that want nothing to do with, you know, their faith. And the opposite side. Yeah, exactly. And that's the, another hard part, you know, because in prison, not only do you have Christians, you have Muslims, you have uh, atheists, you have, you have uh, satanic. Okay. You have everything. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> so, so I wasn't talking into the mic for a second. <laughs> but yeah, you have you have so many different um eth- or not ethnicities, but religions. Um, you know, so you they have a religious dorm. You know, so you'll have someone who's reading out of the Satanic Bible, and two d- two beds down is reading out the you know out of NIV. Yeah. So it's it's so um hard um in there because you Just know navigating the yeah, different yeah, uh, you the know aspects. they have. They have Christian um, groups that come in. They have um, Islam groups that come in, you know, Jewish, the, the whole nine. So it's it's so diverse, and um, there are people that, that make it difficult, and then there are people that, that don't make it difficult. So Yeah, and uh, I'm I, I pretty sure it was that Bible study last week, if not the week before, just uh, I think uh, Pastor Paul pretty put it pretty good when he was talking to the people at the jail, and they say, you know, can't get any worse than this, and uh, <laughs> oh, it gets worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, but that's uh, that's kind of what made me uh, brought me back to that. No, okay, <laughs> no, no, you're good. <laughs> I thought you had something I didn't else. Have to something add. else to add. No, there. no, you're good. But uh, no, that's really cool. So is that uh, is that you know passion that you guys have? Is that something you've talked to Pastor Paul about uh, starting and everything? Since he's kind of got that connection already. I actually reached out to some of the the ministry groups, um, and then for me personally, it, it, being female and and the men's prison ministry doesn't really like it, the the female ministry doesn't go in there as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but what my 
my objective is um, maybe even more than than ministering in the female prison is to actually be a little bit of a part of some of the humanitarian efforts that are um, being made by uh, by some Christian groups that are fighting more for their um, medical rights being as a person that has been there and seen it. Okay. I feel like being part of fighting for medical rights for people who desperately, desperately need that. Yeah. Um, I've seen enough to know, so I can come from a place of, of knowledge when, when I go in to, to help out with that. And that's kind of my objective with it. Whereas he can go in with the the men's ministry groups and and truly do uh, a little bit more of of that type of thing. Yeah, and if you uh, if you ultimately get that developed like a men's ministry group and you know need volunteers, uh, come to me. I'm I'd be more than willing to help and tag along and do That's anything awesome. I can to help you out, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. A- absolutely. Um, I guess uh, my last little little piece I get to. I texted you about this earlier. Uh, I always end with uh, the best uh, advice someone's either given you or that you've uh, you've heard, you've given uh, something that's stuck with you advice-wise, uh, if you got anything for them. So um, my entire life, my dad has always said to me and my mom, um, life's about choices. Um, and often they would give me that piece of advice when I would do something stupid. Um, but it's... Uh, it's come to be almost a joke in our house um, when somebody, you know, does something not smart. <laughs> you know, it's life's about choices, yep, you know. Yep. Um, and and my dad, I I called him tonight, actually, on the way here because my, my wife said, hey, this is one of the questions. And there was so much that went through my head on what I wanted to say. And my dad starts laughing and he says, well, what is it? And I said, life's about choices. <laughs> and he, you know. And he said, yeah, he said, you know, God gives us free will um, and, and you can either make the choice to make life easy or you can make the choice to make life hard. Yeah. And, you know, um, that was that was the best piece of advice that stuck with me my whole life. We all have a choice um, and, and those choices matter so so greatly yeah and just because you made one bad choice though doesn't mean that you can't fix it just like with the prisoners absolutely they made a bad decision at one point and they can turn their life around i've made thousands and thousands (laughs) we all have we all have there was only one perfect man yep yep so i had a response all thought out (laughs) but then you said or a piece of advice you've given and and i'm not trying to say that i give all the best advice always but it brought me to something that I've I've shared it on my Facebook once but it's it kind of goes with uh, the the piece of advice that it is is that sometimes you just have to be still and let God take care of you um and and it has a story that goes with it it's I'll I'll make it as abridged as I possibly can but um, I grew up here um, outside of Galleon, and we had uh, a pond in our horse pasture. Okay. Um, during the winter, that pond would freeze over. Uh-huh. And we had, the horses would go out there and, and drink around the edges of it and stuff, and, and grown horses have sense enough to know that, hey, that's a pond and I don't go there. 
young horses lack a lot of sense. So we had a, a, a long yearling. He was, he was a pretty good sized horse, but not full grown. Um, and Jack. named Jack and he went out and decided he was going to go ice skating. Oh, um, so he made it out to the middle, which was 17 feet deep in the middle. Okay. And the ice gave way. And we we were at the barn visible to this and, and saw this happen as he fell through the ice. Um, so, you know, there's uh, all the commotion that happened, uh, chaos ensued. But um, my dad went out there and he had ropes and he's standing on the side of the the pond and, and he can't walk out on it because ice is unstable. But if if he would just be still for a minute, he could have gotten the ropes on him and, and, and we could have pulled him okay. out. Um, but this horse being instinctively, he's thrashing and he's thrashing and he's thrashing in this icy water and the ice, he, he's becoming increasingly hypothermic as he's yeah. thrashing through this water like this. And, and the more he thrashes, the worse his situation is getting. Um, he's getting cut up. He's just getting exhausted. Mm-hmm. And at one point he, you could see him kind of just give in for mm-hmm. a second. And the moment that he got still, the ropes were on him. Multiple people were pulling him. We pulled him out. We got him up into the barn. We threw a bunch of warm blankets on him. And he lived to be a very old horse. Wow, that's incredible. So um, with that being said, what what my point that I bring that back to is, is that sometimes, you know, that, that that's us. We're so busy thrashing through some icy water and fighting against what life is and and we're so tied up in the fight that if we would just be still for a minute and let God bring us back that God's standing there on the shore and he's got the ropes and he's ready to get us out and he's he's saying just just be still um, and so that, that Bible verse of be still and know is, is a big thing for me, uh, you know, like be still. Sometimes you just have to let him save you. That was incredible. <laughs> I, uh, I, I can't remember what episode I'm on right now of this podcast and, uh, the visualization of that and that story you just told was amazing. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. That was, I think a lot of people are going to feel the same way I'm feeling about that right now. That was Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Um, thank you guys so much for coming on. This was an awesome conversation. It was really great getting to know you guys. Um, Matt, you and I have a lot in common. Yeah. Jen, you have a lot in common with my wife. I, uh, like I said, I have a feeling you guys are going to be having a lot of conversations about this. Send her my way. We'll, we'll do some canning. Oh, she, she is going to be on board <laughs> for that. I, I will definitely send her your way. But uh, I appreciate everybody listening to this. Um, great guests. Um, Got a couple more weeks um, of the of of doing the podcast for this current year. That doesn't mean I'm done for a while. I'm just uh, around the holidays. We'll take a little break because everybody's busy at that time. Uh, you know, trying to get them in here to do interviews. So a few more weeks, and then we'll take a couple week break until after the first of the year. But uh, man, there's a lot of exciting things coming up at church. Um, you know, our our normal stuff, um, Bible study on Wednesdays, youth group. Um, but uh, my favorite, my favorite thing that we do here at the church, um, 
I, I guess I can't necessarily say it's my favorite thing, but I look forward to it now as a tradition on Thanksgiving is the, uh, the grateful givers day on Thanksgiving. Um, everybody's just in such a good mood and truly thankful there. It's, you know, everybody goes to their family on Thanksgiving, but this is our chance to be together with our church family and helping out others. And it really is like one of my favorite times, um, being a member of this church, like, uh, being around my church family on that day is is so incredible. We love doing that every year. We love this year we're signed up. We we helped out at the tail end of the deliveries before just cuz we were here before and loading up the cars. This year we signed up to bring food and go deliver and we're super excited because it was such a, a blessing to us. Yeah. Rewarding. To be able to take those meals out to people yeah. and and the reaction that they had some of them you know you might be the only person that they see that day and oh, yeah. it, it is truly a beautiful thing if anybody is not signed up to do it it is well worth your time that that morning to go out and be part of that agree and that's what i was just going to say if there's someone listening to this that's you know either a newer uh, newer person coming to church here or just hasn't tried it I, I cannot say enough good things about that day. Um, we started it, my wife and my son, a couple years ago. Like I said, my daughter's still a little bit young for that, but uh, we look forward to it every year, and it's it's going to be awesome. Um, but uh, to continue on, the 30-hour famine's coming up, so uh, they're taking donations for that in the lobby right now. Um, if you would like to donate, please make checks payable to World Vision. Um, any teens with questions about that event should uh, talk to Jeannie. Operation Christmas Child, this one's pretty pertinent because uh, those boxes need to be in this weekend. Um, that's also a really cool experience um, when we pray over the boxes. And like Pastor Paul said, we're not praying for the boxes. We're praying for the children that are receiving these boxes. And, uh, you know, I kind of talked about that story earlier about kid was seven years old and had faced so much tragedy in his life. And the day he got that box was it changed his whole life around. And, um, I, I can't even imagine, you know, we all do Christmas shopping and everything and just, you know, the word of God and a little comb that, that changed that kid's life around forever, you know? And, uh, other than that, um, the, they're going to continue with the kids Christmas program practice. Um, a couple more weeks left on that. Um, because the program is Sunday, December 3rd at six o'clock in the sanctuary. Um, couple other things leading up to the holidays we've got the adult christmas party december 10th at 5 30 kids only shop december 17th at 10 30 a.m um, there's candlelight service uh on the 23rd which is that saturday um leading into christmas at 6 p.m and then uh there will be regular worship time on christmas eve from uh, at 9 a.m and 10 30 a.m and then uh, there will also be another candlelight service uh in the evening on christmas eve at 6 and 8 p.m um I think that's pretty much uh, all I've got to uh, to add to it. Uh, another great sermon, like I said. You know, even uh, even in a tragedy, you know, seeing my grandma in her last days, um, being able to rejoice in the Lord and uh, doing that with her in the hospital. You know, um, it was kind of just one of those signs from God too. I I went fishing with the guys that day at my grandma's pond, put the camper away, and. I wasn't even going to go over because I'm not one that, you know, likes to be in that situation. I like to have my last memories be my last memories. And something was just telling me to get over there. And I pull into the parking lot at the hospital. And I'm, as I'm getting ready to get out, my Bible's right there on the dashboard in front of me. And I'm like, I need to bring this in with me. And brought it in there, held my grandma's hand, read from the Gospels with her. And uh, 
if that's my last memory of her, that is a darn good one to, to have, uh, remembering that moment. So, uh, again, thank you, Lord, for, uh, for uh, letting me uh, have that time. And uh, thank you for uh, having Matt and Jen on this podcast with me and uh, really getting to know them. Um, please continue to watch over them and their family and everything they go through. Please bless them with their, uh, their fortitude to uh, help these prisoners overcome their past and uh, help them find Christ. Thank you all again for listening. I'm looking forward to seeing you all on Sunday. And uh, God bless. <laughs>